Amen. You can be seated. Choir and musicians, y'all can stay up there if you want. Or you can go sit down there and I guess see my better half, better side. My wife is my better half. Anyway, how's everybody doing this morning? I don't know. Y'all awake today? All right. We're going to, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Good job, musicians, choir. That is amazing to, uh, to be led in praise and to come and to sing God's praises and to lift up our hands and remind ourselves of his amazing grace. I mean, how many times do we sing that song? How many years, how many decades have God's people gathered together and, and lifted up the words of that song? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't get old. We're just constantly reminded of God's amazing grace. Amen? Today we're going to um, continue with our um, series that we've started last week. We're blending it in with your connect group. I pray and hope that last week you had an amazing time with your groups. Um, there's a couple people that kind of thrown up a flag and said, hey, I'm not in a group. Let me dive in a group somewhere. And so if that's still you and you want to be placed somewhere, you know, we'll, you know, we'll throw you in somewhere. We'll find you a spot. Hey, you know what? You can come to my house. We got like 40-something people at my house, 23 kids, 18 adults. There's potato salad and hot dogs flying everywhere. Does that sound like fun? Why are you laughing? Today we're talking um, about neighbor love. There's um, an old phrase, an old statement uh, that's, that we can drag out of antiquity that has been um, graced upon the pages of Scripture that many of you have heard before. And it's simple, the simple command, love thy neighbor. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to talk about some of the foundation that we have as God's people and, and how we do that. Um, before we dive into God's word, his glorious, perfect, holy word, we need his help today. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much, God, for your goodness to us. God, we thank you so much for your word. I pray, God, that you would open my mouth and that you would speak. I pray, God, that you would open everyone's heart and that we would receive and hear. God, we need you today. Lord, we love you today and we pray this in your good name. Amen. Amen. So we'll be bouncing around a lot today. A lot of different passages we want to highlight today. So get your Bible, Bible drill uh, Get your thumb licking going on, like we're going to be uh, jumping around a little bit. And if you wanted to sit back and just be lazy, they're all going to be on the screen. So I'm, I have it all printed out right here, so I'm not flip, flipping around a lot. So we'll, um, we'll do this together, and we'll get through it, and you'll have lunch, and you'll have connect group, and it'll be a good day. First of all, let's start, and let's look in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 19. Let me... Um, let me give you some background really quick um, to kind of pack on to what happened last week. Last week we were uh, in Exodus 3 and we were introduced to, many of us know the character from Sunday school growing up. We saw Moses and Moses, as he, he has the seat. Moses' life really can be kind of chopped up into three real places. First of all, he was a prince in the palace, right? And then he was a shepherd in Midian. And then he was wandering the wilderness, basically leading the funeral march. They never saw the promised land. In Exodus 19, what we have here is uh, the plagues have passed. The, um, the Red Sea, that glorious scene of, you know, you've seen it on movies and you've scratched your head and scientists have tried to 
downplay it and figure out a different way how that happened. We see um, all that has, has happened. Now the people of Israel are, they have come up before the mountain of God. The, 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 Isra- the Israelites, they have wandered some, and now here we, we find themselves in verse 2. It says, they set out from Rephidim and came to the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. Israel encamped before the mountain. That's a good place to be. They camped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession." Among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to my people Israel. So Moses gets that statement, that declaration from God, and so he's like, okay, I need to go tell the people that. Now fast forward to the New Testament. Keep that in mind. Keep what happened in mind. Just, just there what happened. Now, we find in 1 Peter, it's going to come up. What happened here in 1 Peter? Peter is addressing the believers, the Christians, the ones who are called by God. They've embraced uh, salvation through faith alone and Christ alone. Peter says, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy, what? Priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now look in 1 Peter 2, skip a few verses, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for his own possession. See, Peter knows, Peter knows what God told the Israelites in Exodus 19. He says, you're going to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people for my what? My own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, let me just pack all this together for you. We see that God's heart for his people way back in Exodus was for his people to be a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests. And then we see that, 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 that heart of God for his people to be a, a kingdom of priests, that didn't just stop in the new covenant. Because we find here, right in 1 Peter, that we're also called, as believers, as God's people, to be a holy priesthood. So what we have here is God's people. And I'm looking at God's people. God's people in the Old Testament and God's people in the New Testament. Let's just kind of encapsulate these thoughts together and call ourselves something here. Can we do that? Basically, God's people, we're God's royal kingdom of priests. That's who we are. We're God's royal kingdom of priests. We're going to unpack this and we're going to pull some truths out of here. And then we'll get into what I believe God has for us today. Three requirements. 
three requirements of God's royal kingdom of priests. Number one, incarnate. Number one, incarnate, if you want to write these down. Three requirements of God's royal kingdom of priests, incarnate. Incarnate, basically live, live. Incarnate means basically what God has implanted in you, the grace and the mercy and all that goodness. Wherever you are, you're supposed to embody that. You're supposed to live that. You're supposed to walk that. You're supposed to rub that off of people that you come in contact with throughout your day. Incarnate. When we, when we think of incarnation, we think of the incarnate God, when we think of Jesus, what happened is God most holy became man, became flesh, and did what? Moved into our neighborhood. We were in tents. He threw up a tent. He moved into, he lived among us. So God's people, as God's royal kingdom of priests, we're to incarnate. We're to, to live. We're to be around people. We're to act in our beliefs and our actions we're to follow God and we're to let other people see that as you walk with the Lord as you go through times of of valleys and trials and and struggles and if you've latched on if you've held fast as the Bible said to who your God is the watching world looks at how you respond to things and if you're walking with the Lord they look at you and they are baffled because you have incarnated yourself Among a lost world. And they are blown away to see God's people live that way. Jeremiah 29. Most people know only one verse from Jeremiah 29. But Jeremiah 29 verses 4 through 7. God says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts. The God of Israel. To all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. There's a lot of theology happening there that we won't unpack right now. He says this. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. and Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. that They may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For its welfare, you will find your welfare. So we see even in exile, this, I mean, when you read through like God's people being exiled, you see there's this groan that they're like, man, we're, we're, we're far from our home. But God said, I've sent you into exile, but I've placed you there strategically for you to grow there, for you to worship me there. Don't hang up your instruments on hooks and say, no more songs to be sung here. Don't say no more um, scrolls to be read here because we're in exile. See, let's be honest. I mean, we can look at the culture today and say amongst ourselves, this is not our home. We're not even wanted here, seems like it. But God says, no, incarnate. Live there. Prosper there. Grow there. Let the watching, unbelieving world see you do it. That's what a kingdom of priests does. They incarnate. The next thing that we see as we are this exiled kingdom of priests living in a foreign land, not only do we incarnate, but we invite. We invite. God's people proclaim the truth of God and invite people from other nations to believe. As I was thinking about a kingdom of priests and how they live amongst the people that that they 
that they work with and go to school with and how they also invite people to, to worship our God, to come to know our God. I was thinking, you know what, right now, this very moment, we have people from our church in the deep, dark places of Brazil. I think we've got a picture for that. Is there a picture right there? It's not on there anymore? Why are you shaking your head at me? There, wow. Anyway, that's Vancouver. I don't know what happened. I put that, that Brazil, it worked fine yesterday. Sometimes things work fine with computers and sometimes they don't. Anyway, we got a team in Brazil, the deepest, darkest places. I mean, they're going, people are hearing the gospel for the very first time. There's water filters being given to them and it's amazing. I wish I was there, but I'm also glad I'm here. I'm torn, okay? Is that all right? Also, not only do we have part of our kingdom of priests um, inviting others to the awesome gospel of Jesus in Brazil, but we have a group right there in Vancouver, one of the darkest, spiritually darkest places in North America. You go there and you drive down the road and you see giant homes. People are so affluent there. They think they have everything. You tell them they need Jesus. They're like, why do I need Jesus? I have a room in my house dedicated to my telescope. I don't need Jesus. So we have people in Brazil right now. We have a group in Vancouver right now. And they're inviting others. They're inviting others to come. And see God for who he is. Amen. The next requirement for God's royal kingdom of priests is to intercede. Obviously in the Old Testament you would, if you were to study the role and the duties of the, the priest, they would intercede. Moses functioned as a priest. God called him one of his priests. Though he didn't have the title and specific title of high priest, Moses would intercede. He would be a mediator on behalf of the people of God for God. And we are to do that. We're to intercede on behalf of others. We're to reach up and grab heaven and pray for the lost people that we know. Who are the lost people that you know that don't know God? Who, who are they that you're praying for? That you're on your knees for? And have you just prayed and said, hmm, okay, that's enough. I'll pray, pray about something else now. Isaiah chapter 62, verse 6 through 7 says this. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night, they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance... Take no rest, I love this, and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. What is the prophet saying here? That, that there's a call for God's people to stand in the gap and to pray for the nations that they would come, that they would believe, that they would know our God, that they would find their residence in a sense in Jerusalem, the place, the city of God. And not only is he saying that, but he's saying, we're going to stand and we're going to intercede on behalf of those who don't, do not know God. And not only are we going to do that, we're not going to give God a break. We're going to assault the throne of God with our prayers. We're not just going to pray God help somebody and move on. 
We're not just going to pray God save somebody and move on. We're not going to let God rest. We're going to let him have no rest. Not from our praise, not from our worship, not from our confessing he will have no rest. Not from our praying, not from our petitioning coming before him. And not from our work. We will continue to work until our dying breath of living among people that do not know God. Inviting people to see God for who he is and come and be a part and join. Be grafted into this royal kingdom of priests. And we will pray. And we will pray. We will not cease to pray. We will not, get, will not give rest to our prayers. And we will not give God rest either to our prayers. This kingdom of priests, this, this royal kingdom of priests. Not only do we have those three requirements, but we also have three realities of this royal kingdom of priests, of God's royal kingdom of priests. Three realities of God's royal kingdom of priests. Number one, they're chosen. You see what God said in Exodus? He said, they're my treasured possession. God's royal kingdom of priests are his possession because he wanted them. Deuteronomy 7, verses 7 through 9, we find these words. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you. And kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out of the mighty hand and re- out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery. This is your testimony if you're a believer. God loved you, He chose you as His possession, and He brought you out of slavery of sin. And He said, You know what? I got a place for you in my house. And you're gonna move in. And with a mighty hand. He redeemed us out from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God, he is God. He is faithful, keeping his covenant of love to thousands, generations of those who love him and keep his commands. Who is that talking about? That's talking about you and me. This kingdom of priests that God established in the Old Testament, that kingdom uh, kept pulling, pushing through any kind of hardships And they exist today in the new covenant, me and you. And God said, I chose you, I picked you, I wanted you, I loved you. Not because there was anything great about you. I mean, if you look around, I'm sorry. I mean, you look good, most of you. But, I mean, really, this is just a room full of misfits. It's just a room full of people who... Really got on some good, nice Sunday best today. But, I mean, if we were to go around the room, man, we got some issues. And God doesn't say, I'm going to pick the greatest and the prettiest and the nicest and the ones who do everything right all the time. I mean, let's not even talk about what you did last night. Just kidding. God says, I wanted you. I chose you. You're mine. I love you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. 
which leads to the next reality of God's royal kingdom of priests. Not only are they chosen, but they're clean. They're a holy nation. God's people are clean. God's people are the ones who have said yes to the Messiah, Jesus. They have been forgiven of their sins. And God sees his people today as clean. Regardless of how you see yourself, if you're a believer today, regardless of how much you want to beat yourself down of all the bad things that you can't get past, God sees his people right now as clean. I chose my people. I brought them to myself, and they were dirty. But as I brought them to myself, man, I cleaned them up. And we stand as God's people, God's royal kingdom of priests, as a clean people. In 1 Peter 1, 15-16, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God is holy. His people will be clean. His people will be set apart. His people will be holy. Praise God that he does that work in us. We do not have the strength to follow his commands. That's why we pray every day, God, you got to help me out today. I'm going to make a mess of things. I need your help. You know what? I like clean spoons and utensils and cups and stuff. I do. I really do. My wife just gave me a look. But you got to understand, I live in a, a circus, four kids, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on, there's songs being sung, there's things breaking, there's, man, it's fun, it really is. But I like, clean, I like to get a clean cup and have a sip of water. I like to get a clean spoon. Sometimes I'll go into the, the drawer and pull out a spoon and it might have been stuck together in the dishwasher, you, ever, you know what I'm talking about, with something else, and there's like a whole spoonful of yogurt still on that spoon. I'm not using that utensil. I pull out a cup, and there's like that little something, and I'm like, no, I'm not using that cup. we got all these cups on the counter because we've got 14 people who live in my house, and they've all been sipped out of and used, and, and they've got ice and Kool-Aid or water in it, and I'm like, I want a little sip of something, but I'm not going to use that because I'd like to use a clean cup. And God's the same way. He wants to use his people, but he wants them to be clean. And so he pulls out the drawer, and he's like, ooh, that's dirty. But God doesn't just throw it out and say, I ain't using that. He says, I'm going to take the dirtiest thing in the, in the cabinet, the dirtiest thing in the cup, and I'm going to put my grace in it, and I'm going to clean it up, and I'm going to use that one. God makes us clean. God chooses us. He says, you're mine. I, you belong to me. You need to be clean if you're going to be useful to me, but I'm going to clean you up. So God's royal kingdom of priests, they're, they're clean. They're chosen. They're also a channel. A channel. Micah 6.8. Many of you... Uh, Mentioned this verse this past week in your connect group. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This love mercy contains a Hebrew word that means like loyal love, like loving kindness. And as God's royal kingdom of priests... And all these, these truths are so real for us. But we're to be a channel. We're to function as like a, like a mirror. God pours grace and mercy into us. And we're supposed to reflect it to a dark world. This past couple of weeks I was in my garage and I was um, building a time machine. It's true. I was. 
Vacation Bible School was coming up. I had a saw out there, and, and I was building a time machine. And there's this one board that I got. Donald let me have the board, and it's got this shiny film on it that basically is like a, a mirror. And so I'm out in the, the, the driveway. I got it cut in half, and I, and I lean it up. And as soon as, I, as soon as I do that, like the sun is shining bright, okay? And I lean it up, and there's this lady. She's jogging through the neighborhood doing her thing. And, like, right as I leaned it up, it caught the full force of the sun and just, like, shot her. And I was like, and I didn't mean to. I really didn't mean to, but I was like, wow, you know, I just, like, attacked her with my time machine. And so she's like, Whoa, what happened? Like she didn't know what happened. I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I'm just building a time machine. And, and I was like, why did I say that? Like, she's jogging through the neighborhood, and I'm like, I have this huge mirror, and she like gets attacked by me with my time machine. And, and she's thinking, man, this guy's weird. I like, she picked up the pace, and like, I gotta get out of here. But it's the same thing that God wants for us. Like he says, you're a channel. Like I'm not just going to pour into you and pour into you grace and mercy for you just to be like, like soak it all up. God wants us to be like a, a mirror. He wants us to channel that through us into other people. That's the job of the kingdom of priests. God comes to us. He says, you're mine. I'm making you my own. But it's not just for you. And I'm going to put you amongst people that don't know me, that don't like me, that don't agree with what you think is right. I'm going to put you in front of a watching world, and they're going to cross their arms. I'm going to put you in a culture that posts things on Facebook that you're like, (laughs) But no, I'm I'm going to put you there because not for you to uh, attack people, but for you to be a, a mirror. As the grace and mercy is flooded into our lives, man, we got to channel that into others. we got to pour into others. A kingdom of priests is shown mercy to show mercy. Parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10. Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, he's talking to Jesus, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. This guy is quoting from two different books in the Old Testament. He's a pretty sharp guy. He said, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? It's a great question. Jesus replied with a wonderful story. Ask the teenagers on that Sioux mission trip about this story. (laughs) Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him. And departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest hmm, was going down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. I think at this point in the story, like people are listening to Jesus and their eyebrows are raising up. And like making that face like that kind of face. That's what I would be doing. 
wouldn't you? Let's keep going. Verse 32. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So the heir left the room when Jesus told this story. The heir left the street, the hill. He said, which one of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, you go and you do likewise. Over and over when you study the duties of the priest and God's intention for his kingdom of priests, there's a word that keeps popping up and that's mercy. 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 As God's royal kingdom of priests, we are to show mercy. Who needs mercy? The downtrodden, the beaten, the defeated, the person bleeding in the ditch needs mercy. And I was thinking about this uh, idea of this person that's been beaten and in agony. And, and I was thinking, like, you know, there's a lot of people that come to church that are absolutely defeated. And they have covered up really well. They have been defeated by uh, sin, the world. They've been defeated by relationships. They've been defeated by jobs, finances, whatever. They're just beat down. And you roll out of bed on Sunday morning, defeated, whooped. You powder up, you fluff up, you brush, you lint roll, and you stroll into church defeated. Beat down. You need mercy. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, the Bible says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Love thy neighbor. I think the best way that we can see an example, an illustration of neighbor love is a story that I think you'll, some of you know a lot about, but just um, watch the screen and um, take a minute to see how neighbor love is shown. Wow. So you see basically the embodiment of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Somebody Somebody uh, beaten down, downtrodden. Someone comes in and says, I can help. 
And then God throws a twist in there, the punchline. He says, I got all this anyway. Amen. God is good. Amen. That's neighbor love. That's mercy poured out. Mercy takes action. Hearing them talk when I was talking with them in in their home and someone said, well, I'll pay the $20,000 for that. That's mercy in action. That's going the extra mile. When someone says, well, I have some medication that I can pour over them. What if she didn't get that back? I mean, that might have been her last chance to. But that's action. That's mercy in action. Mercy is costly. God calls us as his children, as a kingdom of priests, to pour out mercy. To take action when you see someone beat down, downtrodden. Showing mercy, it really is the supreme example of love thy neighbor. Because here's the thing, like we've been redeemed to redeem the world around us. We've been loved to love one another. Mercy's been poured into us to pour into others. Are you merciful? Why? Because Jesus healed the sick. Because Jesus fed the multitudes. Because Jesus gave legs to the crippled. Because Jesus granted sight to the blind. Because Jesus opened the ears of the deaf. Because Jesus found prostitutes and tax collectors and drew them into the sphere of his love. Because Jesus touched the untouchable and loved the unlovable and forgave the unforgivable and welcomed the undesirable. Because Jesus even now saves the otherwise unsavable. Why? Because they deserve it. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done in righteousness, not because of we met him halfway, not because we took the proper steps forward. And in good faith, we've elevated ourselves to the proper place of the deserving poor. But he did this according to his mercy. And we are here because Jesus Christ, he didn't say with cold indifference give them what they deserve they brought it on themselves Jesus Christ is the mercy of God and seeing us beaten downtrodden in our misery and in our need he doesn't just feel for us he takes the necessary action to relieve our distress He leaves the eternal glory of heaven, the perfect fellowship of the Trinity. He condescends to us, lives among us, incarnate. He suffers like us. He dies for us. Are you tracking with this? Do you understand this? Have you experienced this mercy poured out into you? How then is it possible to experience this type of mercy and not display it? It isn't possible. You haven't experienced this type of mercy if you don't display it. 
in others. You Simply put, you have not experienced it if you don't display it. The evidence of God's mercy in your life, it isn't determined on how much theology you know and how many books you've read, but by your act of goodness to people in misery and in need. That's what a kingdom of royal priests, that's what they do. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy just got harder, didn't it? But, and we need help. We need help. We need a high priest. The Bible communicates clearly to us that Jesus Christ is the mercy of God and he is our high priest. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of God. Why? That we may receive what? Mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. Many of you have come into this place beaten down. And many of you have done this for far too long. I was moving a mattress yesterday or the other day from upstairs downstairs. Just a small mattress. And many of you have been moving furniture and somebody's like, you need some help with that? And what do you say? No, it's not heavy. It's just awkward. It's just awkward. Sometimes the burdens we care, we say they're not heavy. No, we don't need help. They're just awkward. We're turning down the steps. And, you know, and God has called us to walk with him on this path of, of grace and goodness and, and victory. And, and we see people in our lives that pray better prayers than us, that, that, that are more generous than us, that do more things for God. And we see them off on that road walking with God. And it's like we're carrying this big awkward burden and we can't hardly walk with God because we're beaten down with this burden it's not heavy but it's just awkward not only that it's like we're in this we're in like thick mud you ever walk through mud and you're like shoe comes out and you're and so many of you your Christian life has been spent watching people walk by you in victory and you're carrying this burden that's awkward and you can barely move your feet and your shoes get pulled out of the holes that you're walking in and you've done that for years. And you've just been beaten down. You need the mercy of God today to pour over your life. And God says, let me, let me take that burden. That thing you're carrying around, you're saying it, it's just awkward. It's not heavy. No, it's heavy. And you're trying really hard to walk that that walk that you're doing and with your life and all the burdens that you're carrying. When God's right very close to many of you right now and he says, let me take that burden. Let me bring you to myself. There's freedom on this road that I've paved. Why would you stay in the mud carrying your burden when free mercy is offered to you today? Come find your mercy. Come find freedom. Jesus, our high priest, assured that we can have full mercy and grace and freedom and walk 
victoriously with our God. Many, many burdens need to come dump themselves out on this altar today. You've been carrying them far too long. You don't have to come before God and offer great sacrifices. Jesus is the final sacrifice. And when he died, when his blood was poured out, the temple veil was ripped in two. And there was only one place where sin and burdens and downtroddenness and beat downness could be dealt with. And that was behind the curtain, behind the holiest of holies, where only one person, one time a year, the high priest, could come in. And he would come in and he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. Now Jesus, our great high priest, has shed his blood. That veil was torn. The mercy seat is dry. There's no blood on it. And we have full access. Full access to the God of the universe who is waiting today to pour mercy into your life. Love thy neighbor as a royal kingdom of priests. Pour out mercy because it's been poured out on you. Let's pray.